Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the finest service organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I'm your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, Ken Bader, and I wanted to come to you for a couple of reasons before we get to part one of a really insightful interview that I had the privilege of having with Scott and Liz Brown. Um, But before I even get into that, happy holidays. Um, I know 2021 uh, as well as 2020 uh, has been a rough year for our public safety professionals. And it's my hope, wish and prayer that all of you uh, police officers, firefighters, EMTs, 911 operators, corrections officers, uh, and I know I'm probably leaving out some folks, ER uh, nurses and workers, um, please yeah, have a safe and pleasant and peaceful holiday season uh, with whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas have a tremendously peaceful, safe, and happy holidays with your family. Um, But I also wanted to point out, before we get to Scott and Liz, uh, Scott and uh, another great colleague of mine, Victoria Newman from How to Love Our Cops, uh, wrote an amazing book. Uh, We mention it in this particular podcast. It's called Facing Evil. As the logistics of podcasting and scheduling go, uh, I literally had gotten the book. They were so nice enough to send me uh, a signed copy, which I appreciate. Uh, And I received it the day that I did the interview with Scott and Liz. So I hadn't had the opportunity to really dig into it. Since that time, I had a chance to literally read it cover to cover. I do mean cover to cover. I read the epilogue, I read the back and so forth. Uh, and, and I highly recommend it. Some of you know, I, I, I write for podcast magazine and I cover true crime. Um, and this would definitely in my mind fall under that category. Uh, and I, we're asked to, to rate um, what we listen to uh, by a series of mics, uh, five mics being the highest. Uh, if this were a podcast, I would certainly give it four and a half mics out of five minimum. Um, is it a hard book to read? Yes. Uh, I'm not a police officer. Uh, I found at times myself getting emotional, and I'm not necessarily an emotional guy. There were times that I had to put it down. Um, It is hard to read sometimes. It it is harsh at moments, but for all the right reasons. And I also really appreciate that when the trial was happening in the book, that we also talked about the aftermath of the people affected, Uh, not only Scott, uh, but some of the other public safety professionals, as well as wives that uh, had a domino effect uh, of 
of really hard times because of the incidents that happened that are um, talked about in this book and talked about in my conversation with Scott and Liz. Um, so without further ado, uh, happy holidays. Go grab a copy of Facing Evil. And here's part one of my discussion with Scott and Liz Brown. And I don't have just one great guest. I have two great guests today, uh, two folks that I've had the privilege of knowing um, for a number of years now is Scott and Liz Brown. Uh, Scott has been serving in law enforcement in many capacities, and I can go on and on about Scott and his career. And his lovely wife, Liz, who also does work for How to Love, uh, Your, uh, How to Love Our Cops, I should say, uh, which is a great organization that's supported by the POCUA and a lot better looking than Scott, uh, is with us today. And they have a new book out, uh, which they promised to send me, which I haven't gotten yet, but that's probably just because I don't pick up my mail too often. Uh, but that that new book that they wrote is Facing Evil, and we really want to dig into that. Scott and Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Okay, thanks for having us. Hey, it's great to have you. Love the dual uh, thin blue lines in the back. Uh, love the fact that I get to see you again. I haven't seen you in a while with this covid garbage going on so I, even though you're probably only like what 400 miles away from me i haven't seen you guys in a long time i know that's unfortunate yeah <laughs> although then we decided it was what back in 2019 so it's been a minute yeah yeah i think the last time was uh at a how to love our cops event in sacramento in january of 2019 so anyhow we'll have to change that but let's talk uh, about facing evil, and, and I certainly know the story behind it. Our audience doesn't necessarily know the story, but you know, give us a little bit of background and, and why it was so important to write Facing Evil. Yeah, so um, to give obviously the, the base for why we wrote it, um, back in 2014, I was uh, on our pop team, uh, kind of a Swiss Army knife at our part department, running around just arresting bad guys, that kind of thing. And my partner was Danny Oliver. Uh, I've known him for over 10 years, good friends, vacationing together. Kids called him uncle, that kind of thing. Um, and then that day we stopped at a Motel 6, um, contacted Luis Bracamontes. Um, he pulled a gun, uh, shot Danny, killed him. Him and I had a shootout. He got away from me uh, with a hole in him, but he still made it away with his wife. Uh, went to another area, shot a civilian in the face a whole bunch of times, didn't get his car, carjacked another female, uh, went down the road, carjacked another person, carjacked another person, made it up into the town of Auburn, which is just out of Sacramento. Um, got contacted by Placer County, got in a shootout with them, um, eventually stole one of their patrol cars, uh, injured one of their officers, got in another shootout, killed Detective Mike Davis before fleeing again. Um, going into a house, eventually getting taken into custody by uh, several SWAT teams uh, and then taken to the hospital. And then three and a half years later, got roughly a uh, big old death penalty trial on the news. A lot of people saw it with his antics, his smiling, his laughing, some of the horrible things he said to me and along with all the other uh, people that were testifying. So that was kind of the base of it. Um, and then there were four reasons, four reasons that we've kind of come up with, with why we wanted to write it. 
Well, this is only a half hour show. Can you do like one and a half reasons? Or... Uh, all right, yeah. fast. <laughs> give me, you know, that's fine. Give me, give me all four. Maybe we'll make four episodes out of it. Give me all right, four. I'll make it quick. <laughs> Take well, as the much first time one, as you need. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first one's really easy. It was just to keep Danny and Mike's memory alive. I, w- I want to make sure that their sacrifice is never forgotten. Uh, they gave the ultimate sacrifice, and and the thought of that being forgotten tears at my heart. Uh, the second reason um, was to help first responders or anybody that's been through trauma. A lot of times we don't talk about it. We don't want to mention it. And through our healing, we realized that knowing that you're not alone in your feelings and your actions and, you know, your what ifs and your, I could have, and I would have, and should have, and why am I alive and all that stuff. Just knowing that you're not alone in that is huge. And we're hoping that we can help not only the officer or the, the firefighter, whoever it is, military themselves, but their families, their spouses try to keep marriages together. The third reason um, was the public. We want to educate the public. A lot of times they watch these TV shows and no offense to the shows, but they're very inaccurate. You and I both know that. We watch them and cuss at them probably. Uh, but they think that we go home and we're fine, right? It's all no big deal. We go home, we shoot our guns and we run around and, um, and that's it. But this book hopefully gives them some education as we don't just go home and leave it at work. We bring it home to our families. We bring it home to our kids, um, our extended family. Everybody feels the ripple effects, especially when it's one of these huge events. And then lastly, my faith, my faith was a huge part of my healing. And I threw enough in there to let people know that in case they're looking for something like that. Um, but hopefully not enough that they feel like I'm preaching at them, I guess. Yeah. 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 All, all good reasons. Um, and, you know, frankly, cause I've heard this story a couple of times, it's frankly, you know, hard for, for me to hear it. You know, we, we joke and, you know, I mentioned before the recording, we'll even give a shout out to her friend of the show, Christy Warren, who does an awesome podcast um, called uh, firefighter deconstructed who, you know, oftentimes talks about PTSI, PTSD, uh, not just for firefighters, but for all public safety professionals. Um, she and I have joked dozens of times about some of these shows <laughs> and I even many times talk, tell her that I'm an avid, my wife and I are avid watchers of 911, uh, <laughs> not because of the realism, uh, <laughs> but for the entertainment and sometimes the un, uh, unintended comedy that it offers. <laughs> um, and, and Christy constantly tells me, I can't even watch the blanking commercials for that blank uh <laughs> so Sometimes for us we can only watch the ones that are so dumb like you know brooklyn 99 or reno 911 i can only watch the ones that aren't even trying to be realistic yeah yeah those are in some ways are probably more realistic than the ones that are trying to be so true to life um but you know I, you know you 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 have you know probably unfortunately obviously for the wrong reasons but you probably have a story for the movies um you know i don't think that that they could they could put together a cop movie that is as true to life as unfortunately what you dealt with yeah, and I'll honestly, a lot of the feedback we've gotten on the book was people have said it, it reads like a movie, mm-hmm. um, and they're just blown away by not only um, what happened that day, but, you know, how we dealt with it and the insight into it. The feedback's been phenomenal. It's been inspiring and letting us know that we, we really did do it for the right reasons, and it's coming across as we intended. Yeah. Yeah, and I do want to circle back to the faith aspect of the book 
um, for a couple reasons. One of them um, is my own edification. I am I am an only child, and it is my show, so it is about me. So I want to talk about that. <laughs> so we'll circle we'll circle back to that. But I I want to know about you know some of the possible emotional and even logistical problems with writing a book. You know, having written a book myself that wasn't you know nearly as emotional and as deep as as yours. Um, certainly have my stories of just the surface level problems of writing a book and would love to hear about that. But also, you, you had to dig into this, obviously, in order to write it, whether it was you putting pen to paper in theory or working with somebody else. You know, tell us a little bit more about the emotional and, and logistical speed bumps of this writing. Coming this March 27th through the 29th, 2022 in Savannah, Georgia, is the first Public Safety Business Summit, a program specifically created for organizations that serve first responders. What you will experience is a high level of networking and collaboration among like-minded leaders who are in the business of serving first responders. What you won't get are a series of boring lectures with no interactivity, ridiculous golf outings that are only appealing to a few attendees, or a couple of retreaded subjects that you can hear at any credit union league event that are just thrown into the curriculum. We offer an engaging agenda where attendees even help to determine the content during the actual conference based on their unique needs. If you run a business, a credit union, or a nonprofit that specifically serves first responders, then the Public Safety Business Summit is for you. For more information, go to www.policecreditunions.com or call 331-300-9889. We hope to see you in Savannah on March 27th, 28th, and 29th of 2022. Well, I think too, it was emotional because it was reliving the incident, but it was also therapeutic because so much of that scenario, I mean, what he just described, right, in five seconds or less took about, I think, 10 hours or so. I mean, it was like an, it was an all-day manhunt. And so much of that happened after Scott's scene. So there was a lot of questions, even for us, years down the road. Like, we didn't quite understand what that whole day looked like and how many pages of the report. And I mean, it was like five flash drives of pictures and 5,000 pages to the report. We actually sat down um, with the homicide, the lead homicide detective after the trial was over and really just kind of said, can you help us make sense of all this? Because, yeah. because he was considered a victim, which was new to us as well, because he was first on scene, we couldn't go to the trial. So a lot of our questions could have been answered in the trial, but we weren't well, I was, but he wasn't really allowed to be there unless he was testifying. So for us, it was therapeutic. We're hoping that many, especially in our local area, get the same feeling because it'll answer a lot of questions on what happened that day. And something that people don't really understand with the book too, is it's not just Scott's story. And there are multiple officers, especially from Placer County, because both counties were so involved in that day. And we are so grateful for Scott's coworker, um, Victoria Newman, because she took the time to really spend time with a lot of these officers in these interviews. And personally, the stories that we heard from some of the interviews that she had them 
say, I mean, we can say that it saved them because it was the first time anybody really had talked to them about that day and what they've been going through and their marriages and their career. And um, so having Vicki a part of it, I think made a huge difference for us and for those um, that are included in the book as well, which is sometimes the logistical part of it too, because having so many people involved in the book um, to get their approval, right? It took a long time to get everybody's approval and we had to get them signed off. Do they want their name involved? Do they not want to be involved? Do they just want their story and not them? But it was incredible. We think about 80% of the people, I think, what do you say? I think it was more More like 90%. The, those that were involved that day wanted to be involved in the book, wanted their names to be involved in the book. There was still a portion that said, yeah, share my story, but not my name. Um, so there's a lot more to this book than just Scott, which we're really grateful that we had Vicki alongside us putting this book. We, she made it pretty. <laughs> she made it readable. <laughs> I love my husband, but I mean, he's an author, right? This is not- I, I'm a cop, man. Yeah. They, they should have <laughs> and crayon pages and all yeah. that. Yeah, she made it pretty, but yeah, I'm going to reiterate a little bit. Um, sure. It was emotional. Uh, there were several parts when I was writing it or even rereading it to correct it where I was crying. I'll admit it. I mean, and I still, if I read it right now, there's certain parts where, you know, my allergies would act up and you'd see a little bit, you know, in the old eyes. Mm-hmm. What she said, it was very helpful. It cleared, filled a lot of gaps, filled a lot of holders. As officers, we don't, we don't like not knowing information, right? We want to know everything. We want to know the details and mm-hmm. to fill in those holes was huge for me. Um, but it was hard too. I mean, it was, it was, it was both. It was, it was hard. It was emotional. It was therapeutic. Um, it, it picked at some scabs, but it was definitely worth it. And I think one of the things too, that was hard for us is because we're so vulnerable and we share a lot of information. Yeah. We were really afraid of what others would think. And you start to get inside your head and think, gosh, are people going to appreciate this? Do they really want our story? And some of the, you know, there are some, I mean, there always is somebody that thinks we're taking advantage of a situation or whatever it is. And we really, there's nothing perfect about us. We're not saying that we did it perfectly. We're not saying that we're a perfect couple. We're not saying that our marriage is perfect either. I mean, we had some serious ups and downs and still working through it. But I think that's the difference is we were just willing to talk about it and we are willing to share it. And we're like, you know, if our story can just share, save or have one marriage, then it's worth it for us to share. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen you in a couple of years, but it looks like you've trained Scott to just listen and do what you say. So it's got to be better. It is better. I just nod and say yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want, dear? Smile, smile and nod. Yeah, life goes easier yeah. that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely did not learn that in my first marriage, but that's another show. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, I, I hear what you're saying on the therapeutic side from a number of different angles um, is a little bit of a side note, but it's relevant. You know, all the way, you know, more than halfway around the world, I, I just covered for Podcast Magazine, a podcast called Use of Force, which was a female officer from the New South Wales Police Force and things that she went through in the 90s and early 2000s and so forth. And some of that, you know, was 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 really heavy um, along the lines of, of what you dealt with heavy. Uh, and you know, one of the things that I heard from the podcast producer, cause I even asked, I said, you know, how is she doing? 
it, going through all this. And she made the comment that she's really good, that she's she's in that good place, that there is a therapeutic aspect to that. Um, you know, unfortunately, about 20 percent of the feedback is is not positive as, you know, on a, a, a number of, of different ranges. Uh, but even she was surprised that 80 percent of it, uh, even from fellow law enforcement and her take was a little bit different where she had to call out some things that were going on in the police force. Uh, but even police officers saying, you know, thank you for sharing. That's great that you share that. That needs to, to get out. Uh, I would hope that 80% of the feedback you're getting in these early stages are, are something along those lines. Is that true or am I just naive on that? I would say 99%. Yeah, so far it's almost been 100% positive. Um, you know, I haven't heard really anything negative at all. Uh, I, I, and that's, we, you know, it's mostly been local. We're trying to work on getting it out further out there. And I'm sure the further out it gets, you know, the better chance of somebody coming back. And I mean, you know, as an officer, I, I go to a door and people cuss me out the second I answer and they don't even know me. Right. So yeah. that doesn't I know you and I cuss you out not yeah, because yeah. you did anything, but just because it's fun for me. I, I do well, that. right. Well, you yeah. know, I, I used to joke <laughs> actually, and said, Hey, if, if we're not making fun of you, it means we don't like you. If we're nice and polite, we don't say anything giving you a nickname or cuss at you, it's, it's probably because we don't like you and we're not worth the trouble. So I, I kind of look at it that way. But honestly, locally was probably where I was concerned just because these are my partners. These right. are my, I'm still working, right? And 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 it, I think we've kind of cleared some of those hurdles. Um, some outside person um, decides that they don't like it or they just don't like cops and they use me as a venting post. That's fine. I can handle that. And I'm hoping that maybe even if he does cuss me out, he reads the book and, and gets some insight, whether it changes his mind or not. I have no idea and I have no control over that. Uh, but that's one of our goals is maybe that guy that picks it up just because he wants to say F you, maybe reads it and all of a sudden it dawns on him, ah, man, maybe maybe I shouldn't. Maybe there's more to it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's possible. And I, I hope that that does happen. Um to go back to this question briefly and then I will get off of it. But on a surface level, um, you know, my biggest, uh, speed bump in writing a book was when I was writing one whole chapter, I was having a problem with, uh, loaded it to the cloud and it disappeared forever and ever. Amen. And I had to go back and rewrite it. Uh, that's my funny problem with writing a book. What was your biggest surface level? Not emotional, not deep, you know, just, uh, you know, Hey, you know, this just isn't working. You know, the biggest speed bump that you had in, in, in writing this sucker. Finding a publisher. Well, I would, I would say yeah, finding a publisher was huge, but I would say on just a day-to-day -day basis was just my temperament as opposed to say Vicky's. Oh, um, yeah. I would get, you know, I, I turned in a, like the initial, which was a journal that started out as a journal, turned that into her. We got that going. And then she would send me tasks, right? She would say, Hey, I need you to write me something on this or this or this. Yeah. And I'm task oriented. As soon as I got it, I sat down and I typed what I wanted and I gave it back to her. And then it would take a while for me to hear back and take a while for, and then we'd have a, we'd have a set of goals of what we wanted to do and a time frame to do it. We almost never met those goals. <laughs> Thank God you had Vicky, Vicky Newman from how to love our cops, another friend of the show in the POC way. So yeah. Uh, and it but... wasn't, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't my fault. It was yeah. just not knowing how the process works and nothing ever goes on time. That was probably the most frustrating for me is we always kept setting these goals and these timeframes never meeting them. And I'm a guy that, I mean, if I'm five minutes early, I'm 10 minutes late kind of thing. And so yeah. it drove me nuts. Um, but you know, it was to, the timing worked the way it should. And I have a feeling, you know, with my belief structure, it came out when it needed to come out. So 
that, that, but that was probably the most frustrating thing was setting time frames, and it just we kept pushing back and pushing back and I'm like if I had hair I would have pulled it out <laughs> and then the other one was a publisher we we ended up self-publishing that's how we yes good for you yes yeah, because <laughs> it, at that point we're like you know what this book needs to get out no matter how and so grassroots you know marketing it's all us just kind of continuing to share it and that's yeah. that's been it's not as yeah, easy trying, as to, <laughs> trying to publish a cop book when cops are not Loved. at all popular in any way shape or form was yeah. proved very difficult and yeah you know but, but we were determined and here we are so yeah and i i know from my own experience and talking to some experts that have written and helped people write many many books nine times out of ten today self-publishing is the way to go because you end up owning the rights and having a lot more control over what you want to do with it. So, so good choice on that. Whether you came to it on your own or somebody <laughs> gave you that advice. Yeah. Uh, I think that that was, that was wise advice. Uh, moving along a little bit, I, I want to go uh, a little bit deeper. Um, I haven't had the, the pleasure of reading the book yet, but I was looking at a number of things on Amazon related to, to Facing Evil. And one of the things that stood out to me on the page was that, and I know I'm probably going to get this wrong, Jim uh, Bontrager, uh, Vice President of International Conference of Police Chaplains, uh, you had him quoted, um, those who make this journey together share a special bond that only they can fully understand. Um, and while I never went through it vicariously, I can completely understand that. Um, during the time of, of writing Facing Evil, was that bond strengthened, tested, or, or, or both during the process? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think we decided it was, it was both. Um, Thank you for watching or listening to part one of Facing Evil. Part two of Facing Evil will air next week at its usual time on Public Safety Talk Radio. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.